Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patra, joined by none other than the wonderful man himself, Harris Kermani, here to break down this wonderful Thursday for you guys. It is April 7th. We have seven games on the docket for the 7th. Harris, it feels like it's been longer than normal. It does. Wow. How are you? Oh, man, can't complain. I mean, weather's getting nicer. Had some bad rain today. Raptors have clinched playoffs. Don't need to worry about playing. So already uh, got charged for the first two games. So at least I have some that to look forward to tomorrow uh, or Thursday. I'll be checking out the uh, the Sixers game, which is a potential trailer for what could be our first round series. So that's always going to be a, an interesting one to be able to get done too. But all in all, we're just right in that home stretch to get into the playoffs. So as far as I'm concerned, it's the most exciting time of the year. So I'm just just hyped to get that going. This first round especially is going to be a bloodbath. I can't wait. And listen, man, I like your chances. Uh, I do like the chances. All it takes is a couple bad nights from Harden. Throw everybody. I mean, it's I almost like I almost like them to take the strategy that Pop took against Jokic the other night. Like, you know, and let Embiid get his points. Mm. He's going to get them no matter what. Uh, but take everybody else out of the equation, and I think you guys got a good chance. And everybody else being James Harden, it's pretty much the other the other factors in there. Tobias, solid, but you'll live with Tobias getting his 16 to 17 points, and let him be get his 30, and just take James Harden out of the equation. And I think you guys got a real chance at winning that series. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Mavericks, that's. Uh, Right now, we, they're, they're still up for a debate on who they're facing. Uh, we don't know yet, but we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting playoffs, man. Uh, who, do you, who do you, I mean, take the homer out of it. Who do you have going to the finals? So on the east side, I mean, one, it's, it's hard to bet against Milwaukee just because of all the continuity that's coming there. But I know you were saying we have a good chance against Philly. I'm actually on the complete opposite. I think Philly is the team to be able to go all the way in the east in terms of being able to get it all done. They didn't have to give up most of their key defensive pieces, which is really the biggest thing. If we're talking about our matchup, Harden absolutely destroys us always. He's like the fourth highest points per game against us in history. So that does not help. And uh, yeah, I think on the East, that's there. On the West, honestly, I'll be on a personal level. I don't believe in the Suns to be able to make a, a deep run all the way. I was half hoping that the Nuggets would be able to get Murray and Porter Jr. back. And I thought they could, uh, even at 80%, pose a real threat to go all the way. But really, I'm just, yeah, (laughs) I'm really excited (laughs) to be able to see what the West can do. Because, you know, yes, Memphis has has all the momentum going towards it. But in the end, it's going to come down to experience. And I still think the Warriors have kind of what it takes to be able to go there. But the Mavericks have been, as you said, very, very... uh, very good in the last like month and a half. So we'll have to see if that uh, momentum can carry forward. And if Luca can get the support that he's usually not gotten in the postseason to be able to actually get past that first round for the first time in his career. <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't be a homer, man. I don't think the maps have any shot of getting to the Western conference finals. I mean, it would, it would take Luca going completely nuclear. Um, with that being said, they could have beat the Clippers if there wasn't a dirty player uh, with the last name Morris, I guess, you know, <laughs> Uh, that's I won't say you know I'll leave it there uh that's enough said right there but um yeah we'll see we'll see man I think that they're still and I feel like I, I might say this for the next year or two a piece away which is it pains me to say it pains me to say but they need to be able to do something in free agency 
that is not lackluster. You know, that is not a Nick. We'll just say that. Yeah, they, 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 they need to get they need to get somebody other than a former Nick player, uh, and I think we'll be okay. But I, I'm with you. I think the Warriors have a fantastic shot. I do think the Suns could still are still the team to beat in the Western Conference at this point. Uh, their defense is fantastic. When they're 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 like a very well balanced offensive team as well. They're very deep. Uh, they have a lot of things going for them, but. We'll see, man. It's going to be an enticing playoffs. One that this is the best years where it's not like, oh, you know, like when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors. Ah, yep. Cakewalk. We know what's happening here. Uh, it took like three Achilles tears for them to lose, but well, a, a torn ACL and Achilles tear. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to take anything against you, my man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking anything against you. Uh, but you know. Who knows what would have happened? <laughs> but we'll jump into this slate real quick because I think Harris wants to rip my head off after that one. <laughs> uh, okay, but before we jump into things, guys, come prop up with us over on Thrive Fantasy. It is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props with Thrive. You eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. When you head over there and sign up, use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. You can find Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. All right. Did you cool down? Are we good? To, are we good to jump into this? Or? Oh, oh, I'm good. I'm very good. All right. My fault, man. I didn't mean to see it. <laughs> that was like much like the Raptors were for uh, 14 of the 16 quarters. Clay played in the finals against us. <laughs> yeah, I knew something. I knew you had something. I knew you had something. All right. <laughs> With that being said, Orlando Magic traveling to Charlotte. They are taking on the Hornets. For the Hornets, Gordon Hayward, doubtful. For the Magic, Cole Anthony, Ball Ball, Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, Franz Wagner all rolled out. Gary Harris and Admiral Schofield are questionable. To the Vegas lines we go, 227.5 game total. 13.5 point spread being favored to the Hornets. That's got to be the largest spread they've had all season. I will pass it over to you. Talk about the Magic. Yeah, and, and really that, that spread situation is going to be something that we're going to have to monitor throughout this slate. There's at least three games that I can see off the top of my head that have double digits that we have to deal with, which all obviously makes that a little bit more concerning about who you actually want to take. But as far as Orlando's concerned, really what I'm looking at is from the Jalen Suggs perspective, if he is going to be on that kind of minutes limit that we saw the first game around, because he did get the start, looked all right. He's going to likely be starting yet again. And really outside of the fact that Markel Fultz, who's going to be on his kind of indefinite minutes limit, as, as long as Jalen Suggs is playing regular minutes at 4,300, I'm you know excited to be able to go ahead and take him. I never trust someone like an RJ Hampton who just never gets enough uh, shots up to be able to get the rest of his line to kind of work out. So Suggs at his price would be where I'd be looking. And Mo Bamba, who I mean, you can't really ignore. It's price tag has taken a pretty decent jump, but it's for good reason. He's averaging over 40 DK points over his last three games, put up an absolute gem against the Cleveland Cavaliers where he dropped 56 in that one. And I mean, I, I did end up taking him on that one on, by the way, one like the last nights that I could actually play DFS. That's a whole different situation. And I'm sure we'll go ahead and talk about that. But Mobamba has been someone who's been absolutely on fire as of late. 
if there's one thing we know about Charlotte is that their defense is terrible and especially their front court defense is terrible. So it's just one of those situations where I could definitely see Mo Bamba yet again, getting all that usage, all that opportunity to be able to just go ahead and put up big numbers. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. But outside of that, I've just kind of avoided most of these other Orlando guys, especially with Cole Anthony out. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Mo Bamba. I mean, even if we look back at that Knicks game where they lost by, you know, 30 points, um, well, 20. Uh, he still played 29 minutes in that game. You don't need Mo Bamba to play big minutes. You want it, uh, especially at this price tag. So there's that factor where, you know, maybe if it gets out of hand, he only plays 28. I still think you return 5X in, you know, 26 to 28 minutes pretty easily. Um, I think that we're looking for, you know, close to that 5.5, 6X at 6,900, which it's hard for him to do, but he's very capable of it with his diverse stat line that he could perform with. Um, but I'm interested in him, absolutely. Charlotte, as we know, it is one of the teams that is worst at defending three-point shots. Bobamba, one of the best three-point shooters at his position. Uh, they're also pretty bad against opposing centers. So I'm with you on Mobamba. If we see the Suggs limit is removed, I'm on that. I think Ignis at 3,500, somebody I'll be extremely interested in as a value play, which we'll have plenty of. So does he make the cut when it's all said and done come lineup block? I don't know. But as of right now, definitely a play. Played at least 36 and 37 minutes over the past two games and put up a, you know, 30 and a half and 26 DK point game. Taking shot attempts. He's doing his thing. So at 3,500, I think as of right now, he'll be one of the better value plays. Um, and then I don't want to rule out a couple other guys. You know, I, man, if I get burned by Okiki one more time, I don't know what I'll do. Um, he put up a decent one in that last one. But I've been playing him in all these spot starts with Wendell Carter Jr. being out, and I've been on the wrong side of them every single time. This is a fantastic matchup for him, though, just knowing he's going against his team. He's averaging a little less than a, a DK point per minute. So he's in play. But do I have all the faith in him after getting burned about six times in a row? Not really. Um, and then I think Mo Wagner is a guy that will just continue to be a low-owned option who will play a little bit of the five, a little bit of the four. Uh, only played 20 minutes in that last game, but still put up 26 DK points, played 29 against the Dicks, put up 31. So a lot of options over here, but the guys I feel most comfortable with would be Ignis, Mo Wagner, and Mo Bamba. Uh, on the Charlotte side of the ball, the spread does have me a little concerned when it comes to spending up on a guy like LaMelo Ball at 9,200. We're going to talk about some other spend-up options that we have. So, I, I, obviously, he's under 10K. We have to have some interest in him. Uh, I'm kind of shying away from him a little bit, but I guess it's going to really come down to your exposure on the other side of the ball. I mean, if you're playing a fair amount of, like, Mo Bamba, you're going to want one of the heavy hitters over here. So, I, I honestly prefer to go to a guy like Terry Rhodes here, uh, who's only 6,900. You're getting a significant discount from LaMelo Ball. They have similar floors and upside, believe it or not, on, on the season. Like, just when it comes down to it, in a nutshell, uh, you have Terry Rozier. He's averaging about 35.5 DK points on the season. And LaMelo's averaging 44. So there's, you know, a nine-point gap, but you're you're getting the difference in that price, which is what I like to see. Rozier is a guy that should probably be closer to that seventy-three dollars to $7,500 range. So I'll take the discount there, and I think he's probably going to be my favorite option on this side of the ball. Don't mind looking at a guy like Bridges, as always, but... Uh, you're getting a consistent 40 to 45 DK points on most nights. 7,900, it, it's worthwhile. But, I mean, at this point in time, man, at this stage in the season, with guys resting, getting ruled out, getting, you know, limits, minutes limits, and just overall tank factor, you need you need to get a good, like, 5 to 8X out of every single player. Uh, and you don't want really 5X from a guy that is 8K. You know what I mean? Like, 40 points is great and all. That won't sink you. But you need all your AK guys to probably get you closer to 45 or 50 and then hit your value because the scores have been insane as the season is closing. 
Um, so I, I think it's probably just going to be Rosier for me, but you tell me anybody else on Charlotte. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And as, I mean, as we've spoken about before, I usually find myself shying away from Rozier, but in general, just that 6,900 price tag is just way too good for uh, anyone to really ignore him on that. And, you know, if we are taking Mobamba on the other side, hoping that this game can stay even somewhat competitive, then uh, Rozier will probably be where I'll be looking at because there are, as you said, other spend-up options and not even necessarily like stud options, but there's a lot of really good mid-tier guys that I'm looking at. And I don't want to kind of break the bank on someone like Lamelo, where you know, there's the worry that he only plays 28 minutes because the game gets out of hand. All right, we'll move on to the next game. Boston Celtics traveling to Milwaukee. Boston is on the second half of a back-to-back, so we do not have a spread for them. Uh, I'm sorry, um, injury report for them. So we're going to have to kind of hang out in the wins. We knew that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford were all kind of game-time decisions. They were all probable, but then we had the news that there were game-time decisions leading up to the game. Uh, and then for the Bucks, Grayson Allen is out. Giannis is probable. But this line is kind of fair, so I'm assuming they're going to play. It's a five-and-a-half-point spread, 227-and-a-half game total. Talk to me about the Celtics. Do you think any of these guys sit on the second half of a back-to-back? I mean, I think Boston would like to be able to sit them, but just the way that the standings are looking right now, first of all, Boston is getting the win today against Chicago, so that's going to help create that little bit of a buffer. But the reality is, between Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, they're all pretty much on the exact same record, and they want to be able to kind of get as good at an opportunity to be able to get as high as possible because that's going to end up determining a lot of these first-round matchups where there's just a lot of guys at the bottom half of the East where... You just don't want to take them if you don't have to, especially like that Brooklyn matchup. People are looking to avoid that as well, especially if they win that first game there. So we're going to have to see what that comes out. But I do expect that Boston's going to play all their guys just as they did tonight. And really, when they all play outside of Robert Williams, who we know is gone for the season, it's pretty much business as usual with them. And that kind of means for me personally, continuing to avoid Jason Tatum, continue to avoid Jalen Brown, unless one of them happens to be out. And by default, I always end up just to be able to get some exposure, look at the Marcus Smart side of things, which usually works out for me better than, better than, or more often than not, just because of the fact that he's able to get himself into that like 30-ish range pretty consistently. The problem is when he has nights where he shoots like three of 15, that ends up really uh, messing around with the rest of it, which is kind of what's happened as of late. His shot has gone down a little bit more than kind of usually is, you know, he's always a bit up and down, but his field goal attempts are usually still up. But those have been on the way down, which is really my only worry when it comes to a a team like Milwaukee, who's going to be defending uh, him pretty hard. That being said, he has done pretty well in the three games that he has played with them, put about 34 DK points on there, which is good again for that 5X. But if you're looking for that kind of big upside play as far as Boston's concerned, I don't really, really see myself uh, jumping on that just because I expect that all these guys are pretty fairly priced if everyone's playing. And Al Horford, who, by the way, has been playing really well over the last three games, just continues to be someone I'll take on the chin because I'm not spending 7200 to be able to get someone like him. Right there with you. I'm avoiding Boston as a whole. I mean, this is going to be one of the more fun games. We have a couple of really good fun basketball games to watch. Uh, I'm more enticed by the one that we'll get to later in the slate than this one. I think that you know, when it's all said and done, Everybody in this whole entire game is priced right, even looking on the other side of the ball. Do I mind spending 12K on Giannis? No, it's Giannis, absolutely. But with Jokic and Giannis always on the same slates, you got to make a choice. You're not going to be able to play both these guys. Uh, actually, and maybe at this point in the season you could with some of these guys that are, end up starting that uh, have more Zs in their name than you know we've ever <laughs> seen. Uh, but 
with that being said, I, I don't see myself really gravitating towards anybody in this game whatsoever. And it's a weird thing to say, because if this was an earlier mid halfway through the season, uh, we're probably going to look at this game pretty heavily, even do smaller game stacks. So, but I'm not really interested. I think if anything, you know, Middleton's a fair price at 8,200, not bad, but Boston's defense against wings has been fantastic. So even Brooke Lopez, a guy that we've been able to get some value from over the past few weeks, um, no, thank you. I'm, I'm all set here. I'm going to avoid it as a whole. So we'll keep it moving to the next one. Philadelphia traveling to Toronto, taking on the Sixers. For Philly, Matisse Thibel, your boy. He's not playing. He's ineligible to play. He's ruled out. And then for the Raptors, OG is questionable. And then uh, pretty much the same other guys. Everybody else at the G League outside of Utah, he is questionable as well. Game coming in at a 215.5 game total with your Raptors being favored by one and a half points. So you tell me, what, is it, what does that mean? Does that mean that we're getting somebody sitting, or does that mean that this might be a closer playoff series than you anticipated? I mean, I, I would think it's actually going to be uh, one of those where you start to see that uh, number kind of move towards the other way once they actually see what happens here. I'll be honest, I don't expect a great result in this match. I'm still going to go watch it because my guys are on the other side. But in general, uh, this Philadelphia matchup has always been one of those where Philly marks it up on their schedule to be able to go about doing it. And with that in mind, with both Embiid and Harden coming. And by the way, Danny Green finally getting his ring for those who actually care. He won it in 2019 and has not played a single home game in front of a crowd yet in Toronto. And they had waited until now to finally get him his 2019 ring. So that's going to be fun as uh, fun as heck to be able to finally give him that. But as far as actually taking anyone on the Philadelphia 76ers, look, you're always going to be looking to start and end with, uh, with Joel Embiid. Plain and simple, it's been one of those matchups where he's almost like made a bit of a, a boogeyman of himself when we used to have Marc Gasol, where, I don't know, you get into his own head and basically end up messing up the game in general. But since then, he's had you know, three fantastic games by and large, but it's about that price tag, right? And we're talking about that 12000 We're going to have a Jokic coming up who's had five straight games of 70 or more. And really, the question comes down to, if you are looking into a stud, who's the stud you're going to pick? I don't have a problem with that being Embiid especially given the fact that the Raptors have consistently struggled against guys in the front court, just based on our own lack of size up until now. So that's where I'd be looking more so than Harden, even though Harden has historically done superbly well against the Raptors. But when both of them are there, he becomes more of a passer. In fact, is it's almost as if they're trying to force feed and beat to make sure he gets that scoring title as well as give him whatever shot at MVP he's hoping to get. So it's been Embiid who's getting, been getting all the usage and Harden's been uh, happy to be kind of that facilitator to be able to get that going. So that's going to be you know, kind of the major area where I'm looking at. The rest of these guys are pretty fairly priced for what you'd expect. Uh, perhaps we get a, a couple more minutes coming out of someone like a Shake Milton uh, to make up for the fact that Matisse Heibel is not there. So if uh, he is potentially getting the start, depending on how kind of things work out, I may have a little bit more interest in him. But as it stands, if I'm going to kind of game script this, Embiid might come up with some of my lineups, but beyond that, I'm avoiding these guys. You don't, you don't think maybe Danny Green draws a start and it becomes <laughs> a, a home, like, you know, I'm getting that ring narrative. Do you think that's an option here? I mean, I think he'll get that uh, honorary start just to be able to, you know, get that thing going. But I don't expect him to be playing all that many minutes. In general, <laughs> he's played like, what, 17 in the two games against the Raptors. I don't know if that changes all that much. And let's be honest, Danny Green's offense has kind of fallen off a cliff for a while now. So never really expect him to make up. But you never know. No, listen, I, I, I'm a narrative guy, but if you're if you're not on it and you're the Toronto guy, I'm not buying it. I'm good with that. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you for the most part with this. I, I'll never rule out Embiid. Um, I do see him having a great game against Toronto. Like you said, the, they just don't have the front court bodies to really match up with them. So um, why did I always do this? I should have took I should have took Philly to start, so you could have started with Toronto. And I always messed that one up. But that's probably the only guy I'm not really interested in paying the 10K for Harden. Wouldn't fault you if you wanted to. Uh, but I'm really just looking at the two top dogs over there. On the Toronto side of the ball, um, with Pascal Siakam, 9,500. I don't think they will. You tell me, do they normally start him against Philly or like at center? Or do they try to go with him at power forward and try to get a little bit more size in the lineup? Because if he's starting at center, I want nothing to do with him. Uh, if he's starting at power forward, I would have a little interest in him. It's an elevated price tag, though, so I don't love that price tag. I just like the matchup if he's starting at power forward. So be that as it may, like, you know, it, 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 if he has a nice shooting night, he'll easily pay that off. Um, but that price tag makes it a little bit tougher for me to be fully interested and invested into it. Uh, the one guy I do have interest in, you're going to like this one, man. You're going to like it. It's Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> at 5,800. It's happened. It's happened. I, I, I just – I'm looking at all these price tags. Uh, he kind of pops out for me. Um, I think without Matisse Thybul, they're going to be a little bit more susceptible to three-point attempts. Um, I, I always like Fred VanVleet in this matchup as well. Um, but other than I think Freddie and Gary Trent are the two guys that are popping off the page for me. I would say Siakam. Just don't love that price tag. No, fair enough. And uh, I think the other element that Toronto has always consistently pushed anytime we've gotten that uh, Embiid matchup is to get Chris Boucher to be the one to start off at center. And he's done that for a couple of games now against the uh, against the 76ers. I expect they'll go back to that again because it has worked pretty well in terms of kind of throwing Embiid off his game from a defensive standpoint. And in the three games that he has played, he's put up 43 DK points as well, uh, 7 to 14 from the three-point line. And in general, he's been coming in hot as far as that's concerned from the shooting from the outside as he did in the Atlanta game too, even though he only needed to play 22 minutes. His price tag is at 4,600, which is a good spot uh, for you to be able to go ahead and take that because Siakam has either started at the three or started at the four every time so far this season uh, against Philly. I expect him to go back to that normal four because uh, Fred wasn't in that one game where they ended up pushing him to the three. So with the, with all that in mind, I expect it's Boucher who does end up getting the start, which means that that's where I'm going to have a good bit of my interest. And Fred Van Vliet, as you said, is at 7,800. He's coming off honestly the worst game of his season until he hit that final shot against Atlanta to finally uh, put that game away. But he was just awful that game. Four of 21 from the field and just turnover after turnover. He just looked completely off. I expect him to really look to set that set that straight. So his price tag has gone down as a result of it. He played great in the one game that he played against Philly. And Philly in general, without Tybal, they I could see them having a good bit of trouble actually trying to stay with him. Uh, Maxi, you know, as honest and hardworking as he is on the defensive end, I don't expect him to be able to really be able to stand in front of Fred. So as much as, you know, Gary Trent is always in play. I'm at 5,800. He's probably going to get a good bit of exposure from me too, but between Fred and Boucher is where I'm going to be getting a, a lot of my Toronto Raptor exposure. Yeah. Boucher starts. I'm with you. Um, I just, I don't trust your Raptors, man. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Nick start. a call. Don't worry. Yeah. Give let him know because I, the only time you usually, they still, they like to start him is if we see like Barnes or Van Vliet or Gary Trenner out and then they slide everybody down and then they start them. But when everyone's healthy, they're like, yeah, we'll start precious because that makes sense um, with how they do things, which I hope I'm wrong because he, he's crushed. He's crushed the Philly all season long. So um, on to the next one, San Antonio Spurs traveling to Minnesota. This will be a fantasy friendly game um, in my opinion, but let's go to the injury report. Jack Landale, Doug McDermott, DeJounte Murray, DJ Stewart, 
all ruled out. Lonnie Walker is questionable, while Romeo Langford and Devin Vassell are probable. And then for Minnesota, it is Malik Beasley probable, Patrick Beverly, and Jaden McDaniels both questionable. Uh, this game, as of right now, coming in at a 237.5 game total, Minnesota being favored by 8.5 points. Talk about the Spurs and this Trey Jones priced too high. No, actually, I was going to say that Trey Jones is priced perfectly to scare enough people away from me to jump right on him again. And I'm going to talk about who some of my favorite guys are in the mid-tier, but Trey Jones definitely steps right in into that for me. Plain and simple, just having watched the decent amount of the Spurs just because, you know, I'm a Keldon Johnson guy. What can I say? I just like watching the Spurs because of that. And of course, DeJounte. But in the two games that he's played, there's not much that, uh, or there isn't much of a replacement to DeJounte. But if anyone's doing a good job of holding it down, it has been Trey Jones. In the two games that he's played, he's just looked phenomenal. He's picking the right spots. He's getting his shots up in the right area. And it's not that he's even a shooting a high volume from three or anything, but just his efficiency alongside the fact that he just, racks up the dimes at a quick rate, basically makes it so that there's really not much worry about him not being able to hit anywhere between 5.5 to 6x on this price tag. I had actually kind of been worried that he'd be jumped up into like the 6,000s and then I might be thinking about it. But until then, uh, Trey Jones, definitely a uh, a big piece here for me. And again, going, going back to that Keldon Johnson, he's one of those guys where he's just been so consistent at being able to be somewhere near 40 of the last six seven games now i think the last like dud he had was way back on march 18th against the pelicans in which he dropped 20 uh 25 dk points other than that he hasn't had a single game below that uh that 33 mark and even that was early on beyond that he hasn't had a game below 35 which is his last one so for that price tag being at 6800 for a guy who's likely going to be one of the top options on this team with Dejounte out as far as purely field goal attempts are concerned i am absolutely on board with being able to do that. And Minnesota, you know, as much as they are, have been an offensive powerhouse this year, there's a reason why the total is sitting at 237 and a half. And I expect all these guys to have pretty outsized performances. So those two I have interest in. And in general, I've been, I want to say like cautiously excited about the fact that Zach Collins has been getting more minutes. It's just kind of been one of those guys that I have like a soft spot for in fantasy, but he can never stay, keep himself healthy long enough to actually be enough of a factor there. But in the last three games, as far as DFS is concerned, he absolutely has been a factor. He wasn't as good against Denver as he was in the two games prior against Portland, which I guess revenge matchups, whatever, come up there. But at 4,500, if he's going to be playing anywhere between that 25 to 28 minutes, I expect him to be able to pretty you know, significantly clear that 4,500 price tag, whether that be you know, 6x, 6.5x. I think that upside is there for him to be able to do quite well. And the fact that he has that power forward slash center eligibility gives me that little bit more kind of comfort in being able to take him and slot him in a couple of different spots. All right. So you're starting a franchise tomorrow. You have the option to pick between two players to both play that, that wing also could play the four. Are you taking Thibel or Keldon Johnson? <laughs> I got to know because they're two different, completely different games, both young and you, you like to play them both all mm-hmm. the time. Well, he, here's how I'd say it. If I can be guaranteed that Tybal is going to play the same amount of minutes that Keldon Johnson is going to play, he'll probably be at a price tag that's about 3000 less from a DFS perspective. Actual player. Oh, man, Tybal. Tybal because a, a, an offense can be fixed. Like His ability to be able to shoot, it's actually not that bad. He just doesn't have enough confidence in being able to take that shot. But he is an absolute game changer on the defensive end. And if there's 
especially as like a Toronto Raptors fan. I've seen so many players that have just come in as like defensive stalwarts and been able to uh, completely morph their offensive game. You know, OG's there. We've seen that with Siakam. We, we're now seeing it with Scotty Barnes as well. So defense is one of those things that if you're great at that, everything else will just kind of come into place. And there's few better in the league than Tybal. So I am, I'm going with him. I'm on board with you. Uh, I just wanted to see your opinion, make you choose between your two loves. Um, I'm, I'm though, I'm playing Trey Jones. I'm right there with you. Not high enough for me. Uh, you said it perfectly. I think once he's in that 62, 63 range, it's like now we have to consider it, especially, you know, matchup dependent and everything else. Uh, but I'm with you on Trey Jones. I'm with you also on getting maybe a couple shares of, like right now I do like Zach Collins. By the time slate lock, I probably won't because who the hell knows what happens by then uh, with all the other guys getting ruled out and things that happen. So, uh, I'm with you on those two guys, though. I never play Kelton Johnson. I'll let it. I'll take it off the chin. Um, on the other side of the ball, calling Anthony Towns, 9600. He is one of those spend ups I do want to play. If I'm not spending up on Jokic or Embiid, I'm spending up on Towns. It's just that simple. Uh, this has been a killer of a matchup for him. He's extremely consistent. We're talking about three straight games with pretty much 50 DK points. He's less than 10K. He's averaging 70 against the Spurs this season uh, in 37 minutes. So. Yeah, I, I do like some Carl Anthony Towns, and he's probably the lone player on this team I'm interested in. Um, I think Edwards and Russell are both at a great price. I know you're probably going to end up mentioning D'Angelo Russell because he is feels a little too cheap, mm-hmm. especially normally him and Edwards are right around the same price, and now we're talking about $800 difference. So I'll let you touch on him, but I think for the most part, I am going to have a ton of interest in Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and I feel like I owe an apology to D'Angelo Russell because I went away from my regular play of always taking him and be like, oh, Anthony Edwards has had you know, four straight excellent games now. So in Washington, I'll go ahead and take Anthony Edwards instead of D'Angelo. And of course, as always, D'Angelo for his price tag, not only purely outperformed him, but then also for 6,400 ended up dropping 38 in that game. So it just continues to be one of those things where as much as I would like to be able to take Anthony Edwards more, uh, more regularly, just the price tag discount. And similar to what we were speaking about from a uh, Lamello and Rogier standpoint, Although in that case, I end up taking more LaMelo. In this case, I'm kind of on board with you on that Rogier theory, except in this case with D'Angelo Russell having very much the same kind of uh, floor and upside as Anthony Edwards, but you end up getting that uh, discount to be able to go ahead and uh, take him. And in this case, if we're talking about an average DK points for the year, Anthony Edwards is at 37, while D'Angelo Russell is at 35.8, essentially 36. So for there to be about $1,000 pretty consistently between the two just kind of makes it pretty much a a no-brainer to be able to go with D'Angelo Russell more often. But I'm right there with you with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Just given the fact that the way... I'm seeing my a lot of my lineups work out. I'm finding that it's a lot more mid-tier guys, and if there is like a massive spend-up, it's leaning towards it being Carl Anthony Towns in this matchup. So that's probably where I'm going to have a good bit of my exposure as well. And I mean, just for the reasons you said, he's absolutely killed the Spurs this year. In general, Minnesota is doing everything it can to solidify its current position and you know get themselves ready for hopefully a pretty decent playoff run, which uh, might get curtailed if, you know, the Clippers are getting off all healthy and then they end up in the second matchup there. We'll see how that works out. But as far as Minnesota's concerned, I do expect Towns to have another big game here and for them to try and do what they can to see if they can get to that succeed. All right. We'll move on. Portland traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. Uh, Pelicans have clinched their playing game, so we kind of have to see what they end up doing if they end up deciding to rest any people down the stretch. Uh, but Carol Lewis Jr. is out. Zion pretty much ruled out for the rest of the year. And then Jonas is questionable, which has me thinking now, ah, they clinched the play-in game. Do they end up resting him? Uh, he's been questionable pretty much the past three games. 
So there's always that chance that that happens. And then, as we know, uh, Portland's injury report longer than a CVS receipt. Eric Bledsoe, <laughs> Josh Hart, uh, Joe Ingles, Damian Lillard, Nasir Little, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Trenton Watford, Justice Winslow, all rolled out. Brandon Williams is questionable. He set out that last one. Chris Dunn drew the start in place of him. This game is coming in at a 223.5 total, with the Pelicans favored by 16.5 points. Talk about Portland and the few bodies they have left. <laughs> yeah, the few bodies they have left is right. And I, I feel like this has kind of become a, a roulette for me where you know that there's going to be some solid value coming out on a night-in, night-out basis just because of the fact that there's going to be just absolute bargains playing the kind of minutes that you would hope that a mid-tier guy would. So last game it was Keon Johnson who ended up you know, playing that 36 minutes for 5,000, dropping 41 and a half DK points. And as a result, he's gotten a little bit of a bump on his price tag, which at 5,300, you know, if I'm looking at him, I'd probably end up much rather playing Trey Jones uh, between the two. So that kind of becomes that thing. Although the fact that Keon does have that small forward eligibility is something that uh, does make it you know, potential for him to be able to fit in on my lineup. Uh, Eubanks has been solid night in, night out, but at 7,000, just priced up a bit too much for me to be able to do. So really, it's me. If I'm looking at someone, it's either going to be Keon Johnson. It might be a little bit of Greg Brown as well, who uh, with the start uh, in the last couple of games, even though his minutes haven't necessarily been at the kind of high level that you would potentially be hoping for, he has been pretty consistent on being able to get into those mid-20s. And the fact that he's shooting at like nearly 55% over the last six, five, six games now, that efficiency is hopefully going to lead into more field goal attempts because that is kind of slowly creeping up there. Got up to eight, eight, nine in the last three games can, uh, compared to him purely just being an outside shooter for like five field goal attempts a game. So all of that just makes it a little bit more interesting. But I, as I said, it's one of those where you're going with a lottery as far as Portland's concerned. But the good thing is that their price tags are all kind of low enough that you probably won't get completely burned, even if you don't get the absolute guy right. But know that if you do happen to get one of them right, they have the capability to be able to just uh, kind of ride you all the way up to the top because they'll probably drop like 8x, 9x on their price tags. Yep, I'm with you on Keon. And I think if Greg Brown's rule, or I'm sorry, Greg Brown, Brandon Williams is ruled out, we'll go with Chris Dunn again at 5,100. Don't mind looking there as well. Uh, he just shot pretty much abysmal from the field in that last one, which, you know, he's not the best field goal percentage shooter. Bottom line, he's not going to. But the fact that he took 15 shot attempts uh, is fantastic because he could have easily came close to that triple-double, only 7, 8, and 8. But if he knocks down five, maybe six shots out of 15 even, all of a sudden we're talking about a 35 DK point game. Um, so I'm all in uh, on Chris Dunn if we happen to see him out. I think that. He'd be, I don't know, would you think he'd be, if if Brandon Williams rolled out, is he contrarian compared to Trey Jones, or do you think most people just play both those guys? I think most people play both, play both those guys. There's enough uh, mid-tier value that a lot of yeah. people might also end up just doing, like, not taking any studs and just fitting in with all these guys who can get you 8x. Yeah, I'm, you might be right. I, I probably would end up playing both those guys if that's the case, regardless. Uh, but I'm in on him and Keon Johnson, and I don't mind taking a look at Greg Brown. Um, minutes aren't always the most consistent with him, but as long as he's playing, you know, anywhere between, I think that 24 minute is going to be like his floor. And then the 30 could be a ceiling and at 4,600, definitely an option for us. So those three guys are in play for me. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Pelicans, I'm curious to see what happens here. Uh, genuinely, because I think this may be the game where Jonas could absolutely sit. Uh, and if that's the case, I think that puts Worley Hornan Gomez, uh, into play at 3,900, uh, we saw him play 26 minutes against Sacramento, put up a whopping 34 and a half DK points. That's what we're going to get. They're going to get big, 
big, big minutes from Willie if the game gets out of hand or if Jonas sits. And you don't need big minutes from Willie for him to have a big stat line. So uh, somebody I have interest in, I think he'll be low-owned if Jonas plays. And I still have interest if Jonas sits. Uh, I think it'll be shock, and it's shock that you probably just end up eating and feel good about it. Now, Jackson Hayes would obviously get more minutes as well in that case. I still prefer Willie Hernan Gomez, despite Jackson Hayes' two great games in a row. Um, just the price difference, and I think they'll both have very similar floors and ceilings. I don't think that they're just going to go and start Jackson. I think for the most part, anytime the owner sits, they start Willie. Um, they love to do that. So both those guys, though, in this matchup are certainly in play for me. And then I, I'll probably uh, avoid playing CJ. You know, we just saw these two teams face off not too long ago. Uh, he struggled, and it, you know, wasn't that he actually necessarily struggled. Um, but he only put up 34.25 DK points uh, back on March 30th against his team. And it's just the ancillary stats aren't there for him. He still managed to score 25 DK points. Uh, he is just a tweener guard who they pretty much have playing point guard. But we don't get those high assist total games very often from him. At 8,600, I'll take a pass. We have plenty of other guys on this slate that I'd rather play. Uh, I think point per dollar, I'd rather play some of those other guards that we've already spoke about, whether it's uh, like a Terry Rozier or D'Angelo Russell. Um, just my point or my opinion. I think that both those guys have a decent chance of outscoring them for about $2,000 less. So don't see myself going there. And then the last guy I think worth talking about would probably be Brandon Ingram. Uh, for the most part, I've been hot and cold on. I think that it's not the same usage that we're used to since CJ's been over there. So we've been getting a lot of these up and down games. Uh, it's a great matchup for him. Do they need him to go buck wild in this? No. I, I think that if all these guys do end up playing, it's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. And then we end up seeing a decent amount of these bench guys, like you know whether it's Devontae Graham or Jose Alvarado. Um, a lot of these other guys are going to probably get significant minutes. So for the most part, I'll stick with the two front court guys and Willie and Jackson Hayes. Um, and then if you even, like I said, even if you want to take a stab at some of these other guys, like an Alvarado, or you know, they're going to want to get these guys some decent run going into the playoffs. Um, so I think somebody on this bench is going to go nuclear. I just don't know who. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, in, in terms of between that uh, Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes, I mean, they've kind of been, they have been starting them together. Jackson Hayes has kind of been playing the power forward position pretty regularly over the last little bit now that Ingram is pretty much locked in into that small forward spot. So I do like him at that 5,400, especially if Valanciunas sits, obviously, that makes him that much more interesting. That being said, from these bench guys, I am starting to hope that, uh, you know, Larry Nance is starting to get his uh, minutes up. He got all the way up to 28 minutes in that LA Clippers game. I do expect him to be able to kind of be that that first bench guy for uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, especially as they go into the postseason. So I'm kind of half in on, actually not even half in, I'm actually pretty decently in on him as a value position here at 3,600. I expect that, you know, all, especially if the game is potentially even getting out of hand, he might get a few more just to kind of get his uh, sea legs under him. And this is also you know, half a revenge matchup, I suppose. So you can think of that aspect of it as well. But in general, uh, he always has that capability to be able to produce that kind of Swiss Army knife stat line, has put up 24 and a half and 21 in the last two games, which isn't sexy by any means, but at 3,600, you're looking for a guy who can get you potentially six to seven X. That's a pretty good spot to be able to look at. All righty. We'll keep it moving to the game. I'm most excited about watching is the Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Denver, taking on the nuggets. I think this is going to be a fun competitive. uh, I mean, listen, I think John Morant's out, but it doesn't slow this Grizzlies team down one bit. Uh, but we'll start off here with the Nuggets. Jeff Green is questionable. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Zeke Nagy all rolled out. For the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks is questionable. John Morant out. 
Vegas, they have this game right now set at a 233.5 game total with the Nuggets favored by 2.5 points, which I think I think that might be uh, like this this game should just be a pick em, in my opinion. I mean, two and a half points, that, that feels, I feel like this has got overtime written all over it, in my opinion, but we'll see. Uh, I'll let you start here. Take on Memphis. Who are you targeting? Yeah, and look, as far as Memphis is concerned, first and foremost, Tyus Jones continues to be a guy that you can pretty much lock in and expect to get anywhere between five to five and a half X on a consistent basis. There's just very few games that he'll really just have an absolute dud. His price tag is taking, you know, that kind of like marginal gain every time he's up to 6,200 now, but he's coming off two games, which he had 46 and uh, 37 DK points. Just continues to be the guy that's just locked in to essentially do uh, everything that they're hoping that, uh, you know, Morant will do, but kind of more solidly, more of a passer rather than just like a rim slasher on his end. And then uh, the same thing kind of goes with the, the Anthony Melton as well. Like both of them are in that same kind of price range to be able to do uh, pretty good stuff to be able to get five, five and a half X, which again, like it's, it's going to kind of end up depending on uh, where the rest of your uh, kind of value is looking at. But the fact that this is the second highest game total of the night as well means that you may be potentially looking at more of that uh, kind of stack side. Because as much as I love Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, they're pretty fairly priced for where um, where their current upside is at the moment. And if uh, and if Dylan Brooks ends up kind of uh, actually end up playing, because we, we don't know as of yet whether he will actually end up showing up or not. If that happens, that kind of just makes it that little bit harder to be able to take any of those top guys. So really, if I'm looking at any exposure, it's going to be in those uh, in those ancillary pieces, probably starting with Trey Jones in general. Sorry, Tyus Jones in general. I mean, both Jones brothers, man. You get yeah. both of them. <laughs> um, you could, you could get, easily get both of them on this slate, and I'm with you. I think Tyus Jones is certainly in play. Uh, Monte Morris' defense hasn't really scared me off of anybody this season, so uh, I'm right there on that. I think that's an excellent option, and I think that this is actually going to be a surprisingly good. I'm surprised you didn't mention him because I was totally expecting it. Um, I think this is a decent Brandon Clark spot. Um, you know, we could always see anybody, Jokic uh, could get anybody into foul trouble relatively quickly. Um, but I do like Brandon Clark and his price tag. He's one of those guys that you always mentioned. That's why I'm surprised you didn't. Sure. Um, hey, listen, I, I call it out as you, you love, you love yourself some Brandon Clark. And simply because he's like a Hernan Gomez stunt double, where even in 19 to 20 minutes, he can easily get you 30 DK points pretty quickly. Um, a guy, he's never, it's, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to hype him up. Like I'm going to have him in every lineup. That's not the case. It's if you're building multiple lineups, um, you want to take a stab at a guy who's going to be probably like five to 4% owned in GPPs. I think he's a guy to do it with. He's a good option for that. Now I still probably prefer Hernan Gomez over him with that being said, but Hernan Gomez doesn't have power forward eligibility and Brandon Clark does. So take that for what it's worth, but it's pretty much going to be just him. Tyus Jones for me, uh, on the other side of the ball now with Denver, Nikola Jokic, 12-6. You touched on it earlier. We're talking five straight 70-DK. Actually, six straight 70-DK point games or higher. You can't really ignore it at this point. Um, It's basically him just trying to prove his MVP case. This team starts and ends with him. He's 12-6. But you know what you're getting with Jokic is an extremely high floor and the ceiling just as high as any other player in the NBA. Um, Now, he's averaging about 60-DK points in three matchups against the Grizzlies this season. Um, and it's surprising because in that, in these matchups, he's not even averaging double digit assists or rebounds. And on the season, um, he's averaging about 14 boards. So maybe you take the under if you're a prop better on the rebounds, because Steven Adams is one of the better rebounding centers in the league. Uh, also one of the best screen setters in the league that has nothing to do with anything. But if I'm going to sit here and talk up Steven Adams, I might as well touch on the stuff he's best at. Uh, so 
I, I do like Jokic, though. Um, it's just a great matchup. 12-6. You just know what you're getting. You'll probably have the money to spend it on him if you want. Now, point per dollar. I probably end up with more shares of Cat. But I think that if you want to spend up and just get the sense of security, maybe cash games, single entries, Jokic is certainly going to be a fantastic option for you. Uh, outside of him, I think Aaron Gordon, I'm not going to really play him, but the dude's been cooking for the past like month and a half now. Uh, he's been a lot more consistent, getting a lot more of those 40-point, 36-point games that we've seen out of him. So if you want to go that route, wouldn't fault you there, but I don't think I'm going to. If you want to keep riding that hot streak, though, he's always worth mentioning. Uh, and then I touched on Monte Morris, but Lord knows, I, I think I've played him maybe once all season, and it didn't work, turn out well for me. So I'll probably leave it just at Jokic. Um, I have a feeling you're going to mention Will Barton. Yeah, it's just, one, well, first of all, going back to the Jokic situation, I think it's almost become very similar to back when Westbrook had that MVP year where you could pretty much just keep locking him in every night because you knew that his is probably like the easiest 5X that you were going to get. They couldn't price him high enough to be able to kind of make that a non-viable option. That's really what Jokic has become at this point. So very much that cash single game, exactly what you're talking about. And just from a GPP standpoint, it's just like, you know, a free board, you know, he's not going to kill you, but it just kind of takes away from some of that other upside. And the problem with me taking Jokic in these kind of slates is just because you know that there's going to be so many guys that end up with like 8X, 9X that have, uh, you know, the capability to be able to absolutely blow a lineup up. So Jokic, who, you know, as much as his 70 DK point streak is amazing, he pretty much just ends up following into that, like, yeah, it's solid, solid 5.3 to 5.5x, which is, which is awesome on any other day. But right now, with the silly season going, it's probably going to be one that I end up fading a lot more than I end up playing. So that's pretty much kind of where I am on the Denver side. And but if I am looking to get some exposure, which you know I am, that is where that the Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, and even I'm going to stick with the with the Bones Highland train. This is one of those where I I just feel like he will. It ends up having a lot more of those games where he has that capability to be able to drop 33, 40, just because he'll get those shots off in a hurry. He's one of those guys where if he gets hot to start, then he'll just keep staying hot for the game. If he's not, which he hasn't been for the last two games, that ends up kind of limiting the rest of it. So at 5,000, not, you know, not the greatest price tag to be able to go ahead and take a, a potential risk like that, but he hasn't really been like destroying a lineup. Yes, he's had games where he had 16 and 14, but then he has the capability to be able to drop 30 and 40 as well, which for a GPP standpoint in contrarian picks that we've been talking about, that's probably someone to uh, potentially consider. But again, the problem is there's so many of these great guards at that 5,000 slot that are probably in more locked-in positions that you have to really think about where it is that you want to be contrarian. And if we're sticking with that, I'd rather go with that Larry Nance contrarian pick or, as you mentioned, the Brandon, Brandon Clark contrarian pick to try and uh, shake things up a little bit. All right. We'll move on to the final game of the night. Lakers traveling to Golden State, taking on the Warriors here. Curry and Wiseman both ruled out. And then for the Lakers, Davis, LeBron, Westbrook, all questionable. Uh, I've, Kendrick Dunn. Do we even need to mention this dude anymore? Poor <laughs> guy. That's got to be the worst goddamn bone bruise that's ever existed in the history of the world. Um and uh, yeah, I'm not downplaying a bone bruise. I've had one. They suck. Uh, I actually had one on my knee. Uh, not fun. Not fun to deal with. It's like the immediate reaction is like, did I just tear something? Um, but the entire season, my man, like, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. They could have, you know, they could add some other people. They could have, you know, had Patty Mills. Um, but they got Kendrick Nunn. I don't think Patty Mills was saving their season just for what it, what it's worth either. That, that's a lost cause. Uh, this game's a 12 and a half point spread for the Warriors, 225 and a half game total. 
I mean, I think do they play? Do they bother playing these guys? I think Davis and Westbrook will probably end up playing. LeBron will probably sit. But you tell me, what are you looking at in this Lakers team? Yeah, for me, it's really the the Davis question. I feel like he's gonna play just because he had like that entire interview before as well, where he's just like, "Man, I hate not playing when when I wasn't hundred uh, percent, but then I played, and then people are still calling me out on it." So it just feels like it's one of those things where Davis kind of has like a little bit of a point to prove that he's still exactly what he has always been, which has been supremely dominant, which at you know, 9,400 in the three games that he has played since he's returned, he hasn't had a game below uh, 43 yet with two games that are 50 and 60. So he's definitely in play if he is, uh, if he is sitting or sorry, if he is going to be playing as normal, I actually do expect that Westbrook may end up taking this game off. Just, I guess that's more of a gut feeling than anything else. Then they'll end up just playing more of Austin Reeves, who was kind of the guy that I was looking at at potentially playing in this game in general. Uh, this is just the perfect time for them to try and get him as many minutes as possible to get him that little bit more confidence. Had an excellent game against Phoenix, six of 10 from the field, dropped uh, 18 real points on route to 34 DK points. Uh, 4,100 did give him a little bit of a price bump, but I expect that uh, if we do hear what I think we're going to hear that we're going to see Austin Reeves uh, play a decent amount of minutes over here. And given the fact that we're seeing this game total already showing that 13 or 12 and a half uh, in favor of the Warriors, I think uh, Vegas is leaning towards the same way as well. So I'd say keep, uh, keep a little bit of slot open in one of your, uh, one of your guard or utility ones where you could potentially slot him in. Cause if, uh, if Westbrook does it, he's going to be really good for his price. Right there with you. I think, um, well, not probably not playing Westbrook. Uh, when it's all said and done, I, I just it's going to be tough to leave that much open in your utility spot, because if that I mean, you, I guess you could, because when it's all said and done, if you need it, let's say Westbrook gets ruled out um, and you need to do like a, you know, quick little uh, like quick little late swap. You can leave yourself an extra three hundred dollars or save the three hundred dollars and go right over to a guy like Jordan Poole. Um, but I don't want to pay eighty five hundred for Jordan Poole. Like, I guess if I have to, I will just because I didn't it didn't work out for me. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing it, but. I'd, I'd rather not. Uh, probably so. I probably don't see myself laying on Westbrook, but I think Reeves is definitely an option for me. Davis, if you're playing somebody on the other side of the ball, but for me, I, I'm still not paying that 8,500 to run it back with. And if I'm playing somebody on the Lakers, that's a heavy hitter. I'm probably going to run and run it back on the, someone on the other side of the ball. And the only player that I can see myself doing that with um, would be Mr. Like Draymond Green, where mm-hmm. in close competitive games, he's too cheap at 6,300. Uh, we know that he's routinely played well against the Lakers. Um, we haven't really seen him do it this season, but granted, trying to get into playoff mode here. So that's probably the one guy that I can see spending up on on this Golden State side of the ball. Outside of that, I mean, Kaminga, if they decide they actually want to play in minutes, and this could be one of those matchups, you could always look at him, but we're not really getting a discount. And like you said before, he falls in that mid-tier, low 5K range where we must have talked about seven players already. So this game, as much as I love to get exposure to a late-game hammer band, I just can't, I can't see myself doing it. Yeah, fair enough. And I was I was in that mindset of if I have some exposure, it's probably that Draymond side on the other one. And if I want to get kind of frisky and Westbrook does get ruled out, that would be like, you know what, I'll take the uh, I'll take the pain of uh, leaving some money on the table and maybe swap Draymond to Austin Reeves just to kind of be really sneaky about it. But again, that's just more me doing some stuff with some of my lineups just to see if I can uh, make some things actually end up working out. But yeah, as you said, it's hard to be able to get exposure with this game, given the fact that there's no other game that starts at the same time. And there's you know, a good amount of question marks with regards to who actually ends up going, who actually is going to play any sort of real minutes. Because 
yeah, the Lakers, Lakers are out. The Golden State Warriors as well from as far as the, their position is concerned. It's pretty well uh, locked in on where they're going to where they're going to end up. Uh, it's just really between them, and the Mavericks in, in terms of any sort of movement. So if we actually see the Mavericks, uh, you know, get to a point where they're going to be even tighter on that half game back, then maybe the Warriors do want to end up playing everyone full out and see how it goes. But really, yeah, I, I just expect that the Lakers will play Anthony Davis and I might get a little exposure from him, but by and large, just avoid the game altogether. All right, man. That brings us to our finale, which is our player tier segment. So start me off with your top spend up. Yeah, and from from a top spend up standpoint, as we said, there's just so many great options as far as the absolute studs are concerned. And but I'll probably end up stealing a little bit of your thunder on it by saying that Carl Anthony Towns is going to be the guy that I end up playing most of as far as uh, his price tag is concerned. It's just one of those point per dollar situations. Great matchup as far as uh, both the points total is concerned. Uh, it's not completely abhorrent as far as the spread is concerned. So I expect that he'll play his regular allotment of minutes, which means that at 9,600, you're looking at him potentially putting up another uh, 60 plus game, which is just what you want. I can't fault you. Uh, but my dog barking in the background. Um, that's, yeah, that's totally the guy I was going to say. I think he, he was timely. He's doing it at the end of the show, uh, being a psychopath. I'll go with Jokic here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll go Jokic then. I'll take the cop out. I mean, those are really the only two guys over AKM you've really considering. Um, so then I will pass it over to you to your mid tier, which you can't really steal one of mine here because there's about ten that we talked about that we're all interested in. But go ahead and say Trey Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean that the fact that the mid tier is between five thousand all the way up to there means that Trey Jones just kind of writes himself in as far as the slot is concerned. But just to you know give a little bit more uh, color into the whole thing, I do. I want to say that uh, Keldon Johnson at 6,800 just is in a great spot to be able to be that guy as well. Just again, that matchup is going to be where I likely have the most amount of like, exposure and stack just based on everything else that I'm seeing at the moment. So I think all of those guys just give you excellent spots to be able to get uh, anywhere between six to seven X, if not more. Yep, I'm with you on um, Trey, but not a Keldon. I don't, <laughs> and listen, I, I'm just a hater. That's what it comes down to. I, I just never play him. He's, uh, he's, he, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to change my ways because the one day I do and he puts up 26 DK points, I'll be like, you know, you knew better. Why'd you do that? Fair. Uh, slap my, slap my, slap myself on the hand. And if he beats me, he beats me. I'll take it off the chin. But I think both Jones brothers are the two options I was looking at. Um, I, I'd throw Chris down in there if we see that Brandon Williams is ruled out as well. Uh, and then your value play of the night, who's it going to be? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to stick with my thought on what I believe the Raptors are going to do, which is going to be playing more of Boucher in that uh, Philadelphia matchup. It's been one that's thrown and beat a little bit off his game, and, and anything that the Raptors can do to kind of get him even a little bit off kilter is exactly what they're going to be hoping to do. And at 4,600, just a great spot for him to be able to do it. And even if it doesn't absolutely go off, I can't expect him or I can't foresee him having a game less than 5X, just given how everything else has gone and how much they've uh, kind of needed him to be that uh, kind of energy three-point shooter off the bench to just uh, keep things rolling. He's just been you know, special in that role for the last little bit now, and I expect this will continue. I will go with my man, Ignis. Um, 3,500, played 30 minutes over the past two games or more. Should be looking at another one of those tonight or tomorrow night, whenever you listen to this, and lock that in. I think he's probably one of my favorite value players on the slate. So we'll slide over to Thrive Fantasy, my man. Give me your favorite prop bet. Yeah, and on the Thrive Fantasy side, there's 
a little less as far as uh, pure juice is concerned. And now that I think about it, and I am playing around my Thrive Fantasies, run away from me. There it is. Okay. Yeah. So as far as the uh, Thrive Fantasy side is concerned, the one that I was really looking at was uh, these 100 points ones. There's a couple of ones that I feel that are quite good. The D'Angelo Russell one, 26 and a half on that points and assists. I expect that he, again, in this kind of a matchup, has a good spot to be able to get that just in pure points in general. So for him to have that uh, little bit of assist buffer to be able to get there, that uh, feels like a pretty good spot to be able to go ahead and lock him in for me. Yep, that was probably the one I was looking at the most, too. Um, I also, if I had to pick another one, I think that Miles Bridges, eight and a half rebounds. I can see him get nine against Orlando. Um, I do like that one. That's 110. If, you know, obviously, there's a lot of free gimmies, like Terry Rozier's three and a half assists, but we're trying to accrue some points here. So I'll go with the Miles Bridges, eight and a half rebounds or more for 110. All right. And that brings us all the way home, man. That wraps it up. So. Follow us on Twitter, at Micapatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rate and review wherever you listen to this. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, you name it. We greatly appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow. It will be Santino. It will be Mr. Dave Menkoff. They'll be handling that Friday slate for y'all. Harris, anything you want to leave us with? I mean, just for everyone else, it's just getting right there into playoff time. I'm sure everyone's super excited about it. I'm excited to get back in the arena to be able to watch those games. I just got charged for the first two. I was going to ask you, Mike, I mean, with you potentially having to leave Dallas if things work out, were you planning on going to any of the playoffs games? Or are you going to potentially hit up an Atlanta one if that ends up happening? Kind of what's your plan now? Dude, I might do both because um, I was telling you before we got on air, I had such a good week at work that my boss gave me or plans on giving me two tickets to our booth, our box seats over there. Uh, the company I work for actually has box seats permanently. Uh, we actually supply their stadium with a lot of certain products. So we have our own stadium box seats and he offered me two tickets uh, for a playoff game. So. I'm going to take them up on that, hopefully, before I leave. I think it's going to probably be if if I leave. That's a big thing. I might not. Um, but if I do, it is going to probably be in about a month. So I'll be able to catch a game. And depending on how Hawks how the Hawks do, maybe maybe I catch one over there as well. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to find myself in, in at least one of those games. I'm really excited about it. I've never seen the Mavs play a playoff game. Uh, as long as I've been a fan, never seen them play a playoff game live. So wow. really excited about that. So I've only seen them uh, until I moved to Dallas. I've only seen them play one other time. Dang. So in person. Yeah. So, so would you I, rather them? Uh, I was going to say, would you rather them play the jazz or would you rather them play the nuggets in the first round? Jazz. All right. Jazz. I mean, nuggets, because they're going to be there. I want to see Jokic, but I also want to see them get to the next round. And I think I Jokic, Luka back and forth is going to be insanely fun to watch, but Jokic can, can decimate them if you wanted to with how susceptible they've been uh, against opposing front courts. Um, yeah, Jokic could easily have their number in that one. And you give Jokic 40 minutes in a playoff game and he <laughs> will make you pay. Yep. Um, I'm not so worried about Gobert doing anything with that front court minutes. And I can see, you know, if Donovan Mitchell, if he has an off shooting night, it's going to cause the Jazz the, the game. If Jokic has an off shooting night, he's still going to kill you in every other aspect of the game. So. I'll, t- I'll take the Jazz. I think they have a good chance of being able to beat them. But that is it, my friend. I appreciate you jumping out with me. And I appreciate all you guys for listening. So we'll catch you. Good luck. And let's go take down a tournament. <laughs> <laughs>